the wind. With Phil Corbett. It's a cold, windy morning in downtown Reno, Nevada, and I'm standing on the steps of the Methodist Church. I'm waiting for a guy named Nando, who promised to meet me here and teach me how to make a bullwhip. Nando made that promise yesterday, too, but I was here at high noon and was still here when the sun got low, and so I walked a few miles down the river, asking people in every tent encampment if they had seen him today. Over the past few years, an unlikely culture of whip-making and whip-cracking has proliferated in the houseless community of downtown Reno. And during an exhaustive investigation of this world, I kept hearing one name the best whip braider in town, Nando. Usually when I've seen Nando, he's been on a bicycle by the Truckee River. He'll zip by with a fishing rod way too fast to stop for an interview. Which is exactly what he does again, right now in front of the church. He lets his bike coast as he speeds around the corner. But this time, instead of just waiting or leaving, I decide to tail him. I've been watching a lot of noir films lately, and my jacket collar is already pulled up on account of the cold wind. I lose him for a block, but when I round the next corner, I see that he's stopped, talking to someone on the curb. When I approach, he tells me he's busy right now, and before I get a word in, he pedals across the street. I just stand there, and I watch him walk into a weekly motel, below a faded neon sign, broken room numbers hanging askew. The wind whips at my back as wispy clouds muffle the sun. I've surprised myself with this decision but I've been trying to get a minute with Nando for almost two months. And this is as close as I've been. When he re-emerges a while later, he has someone with him. They head towards the river, and I keep following them, Nando's friend occasionally looking back at me. They pass through the plaza where the guys practice whip-cracking. They cross a bridge to convene with a small encampment of people in the willows, and eventually the second guy breaks off. I approach Nando and say something like, Hey man, if you want me to leave you alone, I will, but no problem. We walk and talk for a few blocks. He says he was just arrested on a failure-to-appear warrant, spent a night in jail. The cops broke his phone, and he's been trying to find a new one. He tells me, yes, he'll still teach me to make a whip, 
but I need to go get supplies. Four bundles of paracord and a roll of athletic tape. Then come by his room tomorrow. You saw where I live, he says. And like that, I've got an appointment with the master whipmaker of downtown Reno. All right, thank you so much. At the time, I'd love to start the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. It's a hot day in August. Outside, the air is thick with smoke, but inside City Hall, it's air-conditioned. Lieutenant Ryan Connolly with the Reno Police Department gets up in front of the city council. Lieutenant Ryan Conley with the Reno Police Department for the record. He cues up some PDF slides on the projector. And then he asks the Reno City Council to outlaw whips. Um, the popularity of possessing a whip and cracking has grown significantly over the last few years, as you've heard several uh, citizens say. He claims that the department is getting flooded with calls. Not only about the actual whip use, but also by people mistaking the crack for gunshots. Calls for service regarding the whips have nearly doubled in the last year. He says in the last year, they've received 176 calls about it. Dispatchers, Kim, how can I help you? Uh, yeah, the, there's a whip, the guy with the whip, intimidating people down at the square, downtown near the river. 911, what is the location of the emergency? It's on first. What sounds like gunshots to me. 911, where's your emergency? I just got a report of shots fired down the Truckee River. It looks like we're on the way down, and it's possible there's a subject with a whip that she might, they, she might have been hearing that. But we're, check, we're sending Houston down to go and check. Well, that's, that's what I suspect it is. The lieutenant plays this shaky cell phone video on the projector. Um, as you can see, that second video was taken um, downtown in the middle of one of our, our parks, um, broad daylight. It shows a couple of guys with bullwhips cracking them in a downtown park on the river, just a few blocks upstream from City Hall. A quick diversion into the weeds here. As you probably know from physics class or pub trivia, that sound is what happens when the tip of the whip breaks the sound barrier. A sonic boom happens when something goes faster than the speed of sound, which in air is typically around 750 miles per hour. Basically, if an object is traveling slower than the speed of sound, it sends sound waves ahead of itself so you hear it coming. But if it's going over 750 miles per hour, it passes, then boom, all of that sonic energy basically bunches up behind the thing and it smacks you all at once. And in city council, what we're seeing unfold is a direct reaction to that little sonic boom. The tip of the whip obviously breaks the sound barrier if used correctly. Uh, the integrity of the whip is compromised due to not being professionally constructed uh, and the materials that they are made out of. Not professionally constructed. The vast majority of these, uh, the whips that we have seen um, in and around town are homemade. 
and they use a variety of materials such as rope, string, chains, uh, leather, uh, to name a few. Connolly wraps up the presentation with a slide of the proposed new ordinance. It would outlaw the possession of a whip on all public ground. Uh, this proposed ordinance will assist in keeping uh, these areas safe and will significantly reduce these types of calls for service, which will allow our officers to uh, focus their, their efforts elsewhere, elsewhere in the community where they're needed. Though I had lived in downtown as the whips became ubiquitous, I had never actually asked anyone about them. So I began searching. A friend told me there was a code of silence around the whips, that the community was insular and on guard. And for several weeks, I failed constantly. I'd walk up and down the Truckee River through tent camps and vacant lots, and with every approach, I'd be rejected. Or more often, I'd hear a whip in the distance only to arrive to an empty field or park, minutes too late. After about a month, though, I walked up to a group at a plaza in downtown. Most of the group got their stuff and left, but one person welcomed me over. It's a hobby, and we wrap them ourselves, and they come together, and we try each other's out. This is Monica Plummer. Usually you get given one, and then you, you have to make one, and then, then you can start giving them away. You make one and give it away or whatever, and you just pass it down. Monica was barefoot, and as we spoke, she pulled a handmade red whip from her backpack. Observing these things from afar over the past four or five years, I had noticed a sort of aesthetic language. They often shone bright colors, interesting textures, and unlike a traditional bullwhip, they're not made of leather. Instead, they're made of salvaged rope, tape, chain, and on almost all of them, neon shades of nylon parachute cord, or paracord, a type of thin rope. You were just saying that, that like the whips are something you can actually use for... Of course, yeah. like when we're going down the, the trail in the nighttime or whatever, because we don't like to be out during the day, you know, we got to travel at night. We don't want all of our stuff out here, so we travel the, the bike trail and there's skunks and raccoons and, and even snakes and Gosh, you name it. And, well, we had a bear down here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, so that, that crack is very useful to make them go away, for sure. Of Monica's group, one guy did stick around and listen in. At some point, he walked across the plaza and grabbed a huge blue whip from a guy on the other side. It was over a dozen feet long. I set up my mic, and he began cracking the thing. You could hear a sort of short slapback echo off the church in the movie theater, and a long, quiet tail of reverberation. 
unexpectedly in the distance from across the river, someone answered. A call and response. A window into this whole world began to open. Eventually, the second whipper walked over the bridge. And though he wouldn't answer questions, he let me record his whip up close. It was an incredible sound. Clean, booming, and very, very loud. You know, one has a different sound than the other. And you can tell, like, we can tell who's who just from the crack from down the river. It's, and it's amazing, you know what I mean? You can really tell where your family's at and stuff. Not only do these things deter skunks, Monica said, but they're also a communication device. You can tell who's who from far away, which is a real asset for a community largely without cell phones. Reno, like a lot of American cities, has seen a devastating increase in houselessness in recent years. Using the county's point-in-time count, homelessness almost tripled from 2015 to 2021, from 567 people to 1,477. In that same time, the amount of people without any shelter increased 690%. It's, of course, a complicated systemic problem. But at the core of it, the rent is too damn high. And exacerbating this problem is a wave of demolition of affordable housing, including old motels, which have become the de facto last resort housing for low-income residents. Developers have been buying up these motels and clearing the land, seemingly with support from the city government and leaving behind dirt lots accompanied by online architectural renderings. A person with a full-time minimum wage job in Reno cannot afford to rent a market-rate studio apartment. After this interview with Monica, I went back out looking for her. She didn't have a phone, but said that I could find her at this plaza. I looked for several days, asking around, explaining I wasn't a cop, and even walking a 10-mile stretch of river. But I never saw her again. At the end of that 10-mile walk, I heard a crack. I followed it to the steps of the Methodist Church, and that's where I met Nando for the first time. A stocky guy around my age with close-cut black hair. After some back and forth, he eventually let me record. And then he agreed to an interview. If do you mind if I sit here in between you guys? Do you make quite a few? Have you made a few of them? I've made uh, about... 67 of them in the last past uh, year. That's a lot. Yeah. It seemed like I had found exactly who I was looking for. 
an expert downtown Reno whipmaker. But one minute into the interview, before I even got his name, a car pulled up in front of us, and the driver called Nando over. Use I pretty much I use them all. Hold on. Quick. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So they stop working. Yeah. They stop working until I get bored. He paused the interview, got in the car, and said he'd be back. But he never came back. And so began weeks and weeks and weeks of searching. Madam Clerk, I'm going to send it to you right now for a roll call. We're on item A3, which is public comment. If you're ready, I'll go ahead and move forward. Perfect. Thank you. Reno City Hall is right in downtown. It's a black monolith of a building that overlooks the Truckee River and a large plaza where people practice whipping. Inside, council begins to hear public comment. But from what I can tell, there aren't any actual whippers speaking. Good morning, Mayor Sheevy, City Council members. Uh, my name is Eric LaRue. I'm a downtown Reno resident living at Sierra Street. Uh, I ask that you pass the proposed ordinance regarding whips. I frequently hear the whips cracking. I hear them from my home. I hear them when I'm out and about. They make a very scary noise. They basically sound like a gunshot. The whip cracking creates sonic booms which rattled my windows, caused the seizures, caused my blinds to drop, caused the cat to run over the bed. On one occasion, I was out walking with my wife and two visitors from out of town, and we encountered somebody with a whip. It was very frightening. Uh, the person was cracking the whip. We paused, and then we quickly went the other way, which was out of the way of which way we were going. It was a very frightening experience. It was very intimidating. Um, it was very uncomfortable. Gabe Stransky. Hello. Um, so I'm speaking in opposition of the whip ban. You know, I mean, if there's if there's an issue of them attacking people with the whips, that should be a an assault thing. And there's already laws in place for that. So why are we doing this? Why are we making criminals out of people? over something that helps them. Uh, my name is Holly Wellborn. I'm the policy director for the ACLU of Nevada. It's a pleasure to be here this afternoon. The unsheltered population is over-policed, lacks trust in law enforcement, and this ordinance threatens any efforts to build that trust. Bill Sims. Why do you guys have such a consistent erection for punishing homeless people? My name's Anthony Townsend. And I live just a couple blocks from here, and I enjoy the public spaces. Um, the last couple of years, it gets worse and worse. 3 a.m. in the morning, it's simulated gunfire. Um, and it's a means of intimidation. And as far as, I I'm not one to make laws, like the voting laws that we're coming up with around the country that are somewhat discriminatory. Uh, but I don't believe that's the case here. The people that are doing it, if you'll notice, they're almost 100% between 20 and 45 years old that are able-bodied because it takes a reasonable amount of strength and dexterity to crack a 16-foot whip. But the police keep telling me they can't do anything about it because it's not considered a weapon. So I went up to the uh, old uh, country store up here and I bought a uh, an inexpensive whip because I was going to bring it just to show you. 
Well, the guys out here says it's a weapon, so it's in a trash can out here. Hello, my name is Amy. I have vagrants living outside my door in the alleyway. If somebody could please take a look at this, have them removed, do whatever needs to be done. Um, this is a shame that this is actually going on in this city, that these people have more rights than the citizens. Please have something done. Thank you. After listening to public comment and that PDF presentation from the Reno police, City Council begins discussion. Here is Council Member Naomi Dewar. I don't believe that artistic expression should interfere with people's quiet enjoyment of their property. Hey, if there's stress, I get there's stress. What, what can we do to help people besides get them housed and provide them with services to relieve some of the stress if that's what it's about? Council member Oscar Delgado. A person purchased a whip somewhere and they carried it from A to B. Um, they're houseless. They could potentially be pulled over and ticketed. Is that what this is suggesting? Correct. If the mere possession in public. Per- okay. Yes, Just for clarity. If somebody had a gun on them and they were houseless, would they also be ticketed? As long as it wasn't concealed, no. As long as it wasn't concealed. Yeah, if it was a concealed weapon, then they would need uh, the permit for a concealed okay. firearm. So someone can carry and not be sighted with a misdemeanor with a gun, but they can with a whip. Correct. Okay. Um, Reno Mayor Hillary Sheevy. And I also think it's unfair that we say that this is, you know, something that the homeless are doing. I've, I've seen people that are not homeless doing this, but I got to tell you, I think it's intimidating. I think it's um, absolutely dangerous. Um, This is no way an art form. I'm sorry. And council member Jenny Breckis. I don't like to presume who's homeless and who's not because I don't think it's a very, it's oftentimes not a good um, street discernment someone can make. But, um, But I've heard from the people for this ordinance and people with concerns for this ordinance that they understand the whipcrackers to be people who are homeless. Is that like a universal given as we move forward with this? Five hours into the meeting, despite some council members expressing wariness, they vote unanimously to advance this ordinance to a second hearing. It's not law yet, but it's one step closer. In a country where the social safety net is so thin and porous, um, a lot of people try not to think about it, but the fact that homeless, as a word, has come to imply this caste system and kind of everybody has a way not to be it, um, which is understandable because of the stigma. That's Jessica Bruder, author of the book Nomadland. As council member Jenny Breckis said, presuming somebody's housing status by sight is not great. It's rude, it's often inaccurate, and labeling somebody as, in Jessica Bruder's words, capital H homeless, simply ignores the incredibly complicated gradient that is homelessness in America. There are people in shelters, sleeping in friends' houses, sedans, vans, RVs, tents, And even when people do get off the street into a weekly motel, 
they can still be considered homeless, especially if they're bouncing between the two. This is rough. This is really rough. And it's really scary sometimes. And what do you mean by this? Like being... Being out here homeless? I spoke to a handful of people who I would not have guessed were houseless, but were. Or were in some sort of in-between place. I mean, it's not even just part of the homeless community. I mean, people that have whips, have, have apartments and stuff like that. I mean, I had an apartment, <laughs> you know, so... The line is porous. But every whipper I asked identified as homeless. A couple had access to a friend's apartment for showers, and even the folks in a weekly motel saw it as an ephemeral reprieve. Houseless with a temporary bed. Even with the blurry edges, the world seemed bound by its own culture and subcultures. The whips, part of a shared language. Yeah, I mean, does it, does it make you feel safer to have one? Absolutely. I'm alone. I don't have a boyfriend or anything like that. So it's important for me to feel safe. And I don't have knives. I don't carry a knife. So, <laughs> but it's nice to know that my family's out here with me. And if I crack my whip, somebody will crack theirs. But yeah, mine's just to get attention from uh, like everybody around. They know I'm in the area. When I crack my whip, uh, hatchet, they call me hatchet. One autumn night, I hear a crack on the river. I jog over the bridge and pick out two kids. One named Dusty has a bass guitar, and the other is named Hatchet. A whip is wrapped up under his arm. Once it got started, just it, it comes naturally, and you just it's, it's it's addicting. They get real deep with it, like man, all the different patterns, and like yeah. I didn't know that there's so many different knots you could do, yeah, and they they tie so many. And some of the community so has little competitions and stuff, and who could braid the fastest or who could braid different ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's more, so there's more to it than just cracking the whip. I ask him what it feels like when he does crack it. It's like me putting on my music. When I'm mute my headphones and I have my whip in my hand, there's, there's no like no telling me something. I'm just in the zone. I just like subscribers. I'm in the zone. Like I'm doing my thing. I have no pay. I pay attention to nothing besides the whip. Is it like? Do you think it's about power or control at uh, all? Release. Yeah, it's more like releasing. Like when I because when I it helps me when I get angry, when I get sad or something, I just pick up my whip. It helps me release it to where I'm not. I usually I used to, I used to get physical with people and stuff getting when I get angry, but not anymore. Once once I start doing the whip, cracking the whip, I just get released all that. Like I just I don't feel like a, like one of the like a mean body in my in my soul, dude. It's crazy. Huh. It's like part of me now. Yeah. Well, because I mean, like literally. The way you break the sonic barrier is because the energy goes through your arm, through that, and out that little yeah. string, you know? Yeah. Yeah, who are, do you know some of, like, some of the best braiders and stuff? Um, do you have any favorites? My uh, best, favorite braider would have to be Fernando. He's a, he, he braids yeah. the best. Yeah. yeah. I hear this several times. The best in town is Nando, the guy who I got 50 seconds of interview with before he disappeared. At this point, I've been searching for him for about a month. I've only caught glimpses from afar. When we finish the interview, I ask Hatchet if I can record his whip. He takes a deep breath, looks around, and he enters the zone. Woo! 
As Hatchet and Dusty fade into the night, tourists and locals stroll down the riverwalk. The wider reaction to the whips has been complicated. The idea of the Reno Whipman briefly became a kind of absurdist folk hero on social media, with both appreciators and detractors in the comments. In real life, some people grant a very wide berth to the whippers. Some call 911, but many just carry on as normal. It seems to be a heightened analog to the response to houselessness in general. In the police presentation, Ryan Connolly claimed that the main reason they needed a new law was because they were getting flooded with 911 calls about whips and by people mistaking them for gunshots. Through a public records request, I was able to obtain about 100 911 audio files. Those 911 calls, a trip to California, and the final vote. After the break. You're listening to The Wind a podcast made at a handmade desk in the Sierra Nevada. I am Phil Corbett, and for the first time ever, this show is accepting donations. If you'd like to support, head to thewind.org and click the Donate button. You can set up a monthly or one-time donation with card, PayPal, or cryptocurrency. That's thewind.org and click the donate button. Thank you. I got around 100 911 calls about bullwhips through a public records request. It's about four hours worth, but here are a handful of them. Oh, hi. Uh, thank you. My name's Matt, and uh, I was just going to see if there's any chance an officer might be able to swing by. Uh, I know you guys are super busy, but on 1st and West Street, uh, there's a guy that's been whipping the whip for probably three days. You know, I, I thought after three days it might get better, but it, tonight he's just going at it. And, sure. That's your phone Hi there, I'm calling from Arlington Towers downtown, and there's uh, some whippers. They've been whipping for about a half an hour, so I'm wondering if someone can come down and shut them up. Yeah, can you hear me all right? Yeah, what's the address of your emergency? Idle Wild Park. Okay, what's the phone number you're calling from? You can see the phone number. There's a man with a bullwhip out here. You need to send a cop out here. That's the okay, important Okay, I do have thing. to confirm the phone number with you, sir, because it doesn't... 9165... I'm not going to go up and talk to him. And about how old is he? I don't know. Does it matter? 20, 30? I'm getting did a description. Get the part about the bullwhip? Yes, I did. I'm get getting a, cop, a description. Get a cop on the way. Dispatch, this is Linda. Can I help you? I'm at Winfield Park downtown, and uh, there's somebody cracking a whip in the amphitheater area there. I'm going to get uh, some info in just a second. So they're, they're at the Wingfield Park at the amphitheater with a... Are you... 
Yeah, they've been cracked out on the stage, and that's meant to be acoustic, so it's, okay. the crack just made me absolutely jump out of my skin. Hi, I was just giving you guys a call. Um, there's a stuff the city plaza, and I hate to call, but it's like crack after crack. It doesn't sound like gunshots. What's the address of your emergency? The problem is coming from the Wingfield Park with bull whips, sounding like gunshots all today, nonstop. At Wingfield Park? Correct. In that little plaza there where all the dirt bags are, that's where the bullwhip's coming from. Did you get a description of the person? They're all the same. Okay. They're homeless people. About a quarter of the 911 calls I obtained are from the same two apartment buildings, Arlington Tower and Park Tower, right in downtown. And listening through them, I start to recognize the voices. There are several repeat callers. One is a guy named Jeff. Hey, how many people Never in my life have I lived anywhere where, where, where it was a requirement for homeless people to have bullwhips. Unbelievable. How many people are out there? I don't know. There's always a handful of these dirtbags in this area. And are you only hearing it or are you seeing them? I'm hearing it. If I go down there and see it, I'm going to wrap it around his neck. I wouldn't make threats like that on a recorded line, sir. Jeff calls four times in a 10-day period. The first three specifically reference whips outside of his apartment. Then, in the fourth, he calls 911 to report a dozen gunshots at the same location. This happens more than once in these two apartment buildings. People who have called 911 about the whips, calmly calling 911 to report gunshots. Now, the escalation of urban noise is a problem. The whippers do take up a real chunk of sonic real estate. But things that are much louder to my ear... Sirens, demolition equipment, cars with modified exhaust systems, motorcycles. None of these seem to be as much of a lightning rod as the whips. The police, as far as I know, haven't presented a PDF about motorcycle noise. It's also worth mentioning it's not only housed people who are bothered by the whips. Some of the unsheltered folks I spoke to, especially the older ones, didn't like them. One guy said it was annoying, something for tweakers. One woman, Mary Gallegas, says whip cracks make it hard for her to sleep. She invites me over to her camp on the riverbank as she burns twigs of cottonwood. How do you feel about them? I do not like it myself. Yeah. So, yeah. Kind of hoping that I, for what? We heard that they're supposed to make it illegal or something. I hope. Yeah, you hope so? Yeah. When I leave Mary's camp, sirens blare in the distance. Two people set up a tent on a flat spot nearby, and they tell me it doesn't matter where. The cops always wake them before dawn.
Yeah, my name is Matt Franta, and we're in uh, Los Angeles, Burbank specifically, uh, at one of the parks here. And this is where we hold our uh, twice-monthly whip-cracking meetup group, the Los Angeles Whip Artists. This park in Burbank, California, is penned in by the freeway and the Los Angeles River between Warner Brothers and Walt Disney Studios. It's a Saturday morning. Uh, my professional background, so I do stunt work and fight choreography. Matt trains actors in hand-to-hand -hand combat, sword fighting, and as you can hear in the background of this tape, whips. Yeah, there's been a, been a few uh, different shows that I have worked on that have uh, required the use of a whip. The, the, two, in New <laughs> the two productions in New York uh, we're using whips, and it was definitely not a, a Western-themed. It was uh, more of a lifestyle kind of uh, uh, approach to the whip. Matt explains that in addition to the meetup, the group hosts a whip competition, which draws participants from all over the world. Though niche, it is clearly a thing. With your background with martial arts, like, does the whip get into that at all? You know, something that might also lean kind of spiritually or not just physically having fun with it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for me, like any sort of kind of like spiritual practice or, you know, trying to uh, to cultivate mindfulness or, or meditation um, as, as a movement artist, I prefer moving meditation, right? Something that I can connect body and mind that way rather than sitting still, which is something I'm trying to get better at. He says attendance varies, but today it's about 12 guys practicing different techniques. Chatting with Matt, he mentions that there are specific routines that you can learn and that some date back centuries. You know, with a, a, a lot of uses with the whip and they're using just the sound of it, um, there would be different patterns or different sequences, um, usually referred to as a flash. The routine Indiana Jones does in the Raiders of the Lost Ark, that's called the Cairo flash. Yeah, there would be these set patterns, um, you know, used historically that people could recognize. And you were saying, too, that when used on livestock, I think a lot of people expect that they're hitting, you know, the animals with it, where in reality they're using the sound to direct animals. Yeah, you know, the ranchers and, and, and cattlemen, you know, they don't want to damage their livestock, right? And if they were to, to strike the, you know, whatever animals they are herding, um, they don't want to, you know, to damage the hide or, you know, or injure the animals anyway. It's, it's purely the sound of the whip. Um, that uh, induces the behavior of, you know, getting, getting your cattle to move or, or, or to stop or whatever it is, but just using that crack, you know, above them, um, but not ever using it to strike them. On the way out, I strike up a conversation with a professional whip maker. I explain the story, but he's already heard of the Reno Ordinance, hundreds of miles away. He says the news made the rounds on the whip Facebook groups that they're all confused by it. I tell them it's become a subculture within the houseless community, and that people are teaching each other how to make them, holding informal meetups and competitions. And I think he starts to understand the rub. 
It's not a dozen stuntmen in a park for a few hours a month. The whips have become an audible representation of the presence of homelessness. And that's something that exists day and night, with no gaps in between. On a cold December day, I return to Nando's motel room with a bag of rope. I go to the room number he gave me, and when I knock on the door, it swings open at my touch, like in a movie. It's a dark motel room filled with people. On the bed, on the floor, people who are not Nando. A man in bed seems unfazed by my entrance and says he ain't seen him. I close the door and wait, then leave, then search the river. After our one-minute interview, I've spent weeks searching. I've waited multiple days in front of the church, given notes to people who know him, One night, a guy even offered to go find him, returning 45 minutes later, alone. It seems like I will never find this guy. But when I return to the motel, Nando appears in the walkway. He takes the bag of rope, says his wife is sleeping, and he tells me to come back later. When I come back the first time, somebody I don't recognize opens the door and tells me to go to the plaza, where Nando will meet me in an hour. I do. He doesn't. So, I return. It's still windy and overcast, and when I knock this time, Nando lets me inside. It's a standard motel room. Spongy carpet, a kitchenette, there are two dogs and a couch. A small screwdriver is sticking out of the wall, and tied around it is the beginning of a whip. My whip. I didn't just ask Nando to teach me, I also hired him to make me one in the process. All right, so yeah, can you kind of describe what you're doing right now? Right now I'm just braiding the the, pretty much the overhaul of it, getting the base of it, the form of the form for the whip. Yeah, I actually started this one today. So, so first, actually, I'm using pretty much the whole everything, the whole paracord. I spend a lot of the interview asking about technique, though people have told me in loose terms how to make them. Definitely not details I could compare between whip makers. And so, what's the braiding technique you're doing? Like this, you're... Just a, this is just a circle braid. This is just a spiral. I, I find my, my whips last longer when I circle braid them. In addition to braiding, I ask about cracking technique. Whips are done by its hand movement, and then it's also done by weight. 
So if you, you know if it's light, you know you can't get it over your head or you can't get it behind you. But the longer the whip, the longer the motion has to set. So it's kind of like flight. Like I said, it's like fly fishing. Yeah, yeah, that's super interesting because I've seen you with your fly rod too. I mean, how like how do they compare? Well, technically, as you whip is more elbow, and then as a fly fishing is more of a um, it's more of a wrist action. So, but they they all do the same thing though, you know, because uh, fly fishing you use nylon string. You know, it's like that, that's your weight, that's your everything. So you got to get that out towards the river. This is the same thing. Yeah. Nothing but cord, or nothing but um, paracord. Yeah, and I mean, they both taper. Yeah, pretty much. The fishing line, or whip, has more mass at the base. So all of the energy you put into the handle accelerates as it passes through lighter and lighter material. This is how you get a fly way out into the river, or how you get rope to break the sound barrier. Yeah, so, I mean, how did you get into making whips? Well, I've been homeless. Well, I've been on the streets for, since I've been in Reno. So I've been in Reno for 14 years. I got into it because I was homeless, and I've seen a friend, and I was like, at first I didn't like it. And I was just like, that's stupid. You're wasting your time. But then I was like, man, if you guys can make it, I bet you can make a better one competition. And then, I don't know, after that I started, I have ADHD, so... You know, my hands are always moving, and this right here constantly moving up and down. So, you know, it's fascinating that you can make something in so long, give it weight, and all of a sudden, you know, it's breaking sound barrier. It's an amazing thing. About two months after the police department's presentation on the whip ordinance, City Council meets for a final vote. Ordinance Adoption Ordinance Number 6607, Ordinance to Amend Chapter 8.18 of the Reno Municipal Code, titled Weapons, Creating a New Ordinance, RMC 8.18.035, Unlawful Use of a Whip, together with other matters properly relating thereto. Though there is public comment on other houseless issues this week, namely the unsafe conditions at the city's new shelter, there's not much on whips. It seems to me that the city is poised to make this decision, and that the advocates who typically speak on behalf of the unsheltered see the writing on the wall. After all, this whole whip thing is just one small battle in a war with very high stakes and multiple fronts. When the whip ordinance comes up about eight hours into the meeting, there is a public comment left as a voicemail. This is Lisa, local resident of Reno, and I'm very concerned about the current atmosphere and the knee-jerk reactions going on with these horse whips. It's called a crop. They are used for the hindquarter of the horse to move the horse out of tough situations such as the river, any kind of running water, rocky areas, they're important to have. So to just suddenly ban them, it's, it's silly. Being a horse rider and knowing many ranchers here in town, we're just appalled. I can't believe this. Please reconsider the decision. I cannot stress to you guys the value and the importance of retaining the horse crop for use in public service. Thank you. This seems to set off an interesting exchange between Councilmember Jenny Breckis and City Attorney Carl Hall. I did not think the ordinance was going to come back 
geographically described. I thought it was going to be citywide. Can you explain why um, it came back with a geographic boundaries and how those were selected? Yes, the reason it was restricted geographically is because that's where we were receiving reports of use of these whips in the downtown area. Um, as we just had the public comment, you know, areas outside of the downtown area, uh, there may be uses for whips. But we were getting all the complaints downtown, and so this ordinance is addressing the issue that was presented uh, through the police department to address people cracking the whip downtown, threatening people with whips downtown, intimidating people with whips downtown area, and that's why it's ge geographically uh, restricted. This reminds me of something Breckis asked back in the first meeting. Here she is speaking to Lieutenant Ryan Connolly back in August. But, um, but I've heard from the people for this ordinance and people with concerns for this ordinance that they understand the whip crackers to be people who are homeless. Is that like a universal given as we move forward with this? I wouldn't say it's a given. Um, like the, the stats indicated, large majority of the uh, calls for service related to whips are in Central District, but they're also citywide. Um, we have whip calls from every district, every ward, every beat. Okay. And yet, here we are with a final ordinance that draws a box around downtown and largely around the houseless population. So what it, what it does is it makes it illegal to possess a whip in that corridor area. That's Assistant City Attorney Jonathan Shipman. In short, this isn't about people like Lisa with horses. This is about the largely unhoused community in downtown who have turned bullwhips into a shared hobby. It's about the space they've begun to take up, both physically and especially sonically. If you've got a horse and you're down south, that's totally fine and fair, and you're not going to be penalized for, for using that whip. Um, so, again, it really gets the, the problem is the downtown. The problem is we have, you know, whips cracking downtown. Sounds like gunshots. People report gunshots. And we, that activity has got to stop. Um, and, and we don't expect to see that outside of the downtown corridor area. With no further discussion, Council Member Naomi Dewar makes a motion. I would like to make a motion that we um, adopt this ordinance in F2 um, as written. Second. All those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Opposed. The motion carries um, with a no vote by Council Member Breckis. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay, good. Thank you. Okay. All right, Madam Vice Mayor, moving on to item G1, which is the... It passes. Six to one. Whips are now illegal in downtown Reno. A lot of us, we live downtown. I mean, homeless, you know what I mean? Like, we, we live downtown. It, it is what it is. We don't, you know what I mean? We don't. We're, we're not the means to go all the way out to the country and all that. Back in Nando's motel room, I ask him if he knows how the whole thing started. It started off as it's nothing but communication. That's what it started off as, and now it's become a sport. You know, and that's pretty much, that's all their history over here. Really, there's another guy, his name is Polly, and I'm pretty, pretty much, I look at him as the, the godfather of whipping. You know, it started off with him or whoever, and then people just picked it up. They got, they got interested in it. Let's say 2012, when I was really out there and I was young, whipping, we never heard of whipping. I never heard of whip. You know, unless you're like, I don't know, 
rodeo or something like that, but I never heard of a whip. I'd heard of Polly a lot. They say he and a guy named Fuzz started the whole thing. He's apparently still around, though Fuzz died in downtown recently. A lot of us come, came together because of this. There's a lot of people who, 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 do, who don't like me, you know, like, and it's okay. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion, but at the end of the day, I'll catch them coming to my door. Nando, I need your help. Why? What happened? Oh, my, my work's broke. I can't get it to stay or I can't. What's going on, you know? And I'm just like, you don't even talk to me. Imagine if these people can put their pride aside for, for this, imagine what they're willing to do for anything, you know? So it, it builds friendships, friendships that some people never even had. Going into this world, I had this feeling that the whips were about power. Unhoused people reclaiming a little bit of the control that society would no longer afford them. But on several occasions, I was told, no, it's not about power. It's about release. Something heavy and interior being exerted, shed, accelerated, and let out. I feel like each time I make a whip, I, I, I lose a piece of my soul. Not for the bad. And not like I'm going to die. Like, I just lose. I, like, when I do go one day, if my whips are still around, if they're not in waste management in the garbage, I'm still going to be here. Because each, each whip, like this one right here, when you take this one, when I'm done with it, this isn't, my spirit's in this. A piece of my soul goes. You know what I mean? And I, get it, I, got, I grow a new soul. But it's like each, all the time I've had on the streets and all, just everything and everything I've been through and like it's it's all the bad gets put into these whips. You know what I mean? Like it's and I get I get I get become a new me each time. Uh, my name's Fernando Tate. I've been here for about 14 years and uh, I plan on staying for a little bit longer. And I and I damn sure I'm about to keep on cracking my whips and making them. I come back two days later to pick up my whip. It's 14 feet long and all nylon of alternating shades of green. When Nando cracks it in front of his motel, it makes an illegal sound, echoing through all of downtown Reno. On a reporting trip in early November, I spend several hours walking up and down the river with no luck. A few hours after dark, I give up and head back toward my truck. But on my way, a younger guy walking right in front of me cracks a short whip. It's snappy and small. He stops and sits down on a stone table in the park, and I approach him. After some back and forth, and assurance that I'm a journalist and not a cop, he says, yes. But when I begin to grab my mic, he says, no recording. I agree and continue to ask about his whip. He picks up a nylon bag from the bench, filled with whip-making supplies. It's the only thing he's carrying with him. It's 8 p.m., A cold night in the park is dead silent. He pulls out a larger, uncompleted whip from the bag. 
It's wrapped haphazardly in black and purple rope, and it has a metal hook protruding from the bottom. He shows me how the hook lets him wrap up the whip and put it away in seconds, like those plastic hooks on a vacuum cleaner. Now that whips are illegal, it seems that this might become a necessary new feature. He's been working on this whip all day, and the repetitive action of wrapping and braiding calms him. Which I needed today, he says. I dealt with some stuff today. Really bad stuff. He says he can't believe he's about to do this, but he offers for me to hold it. I handle it carefully, feeling the bends and the weight. And he says his name is Spooks. He's probably around 20 years old, maybe younger. I ask him why he does it. Whips are about communicating with each other, sure. But it's more than that, too. The braiding is a meditation on its own. And as he twirls and snakes it back and forth, he says, See this? This is all me. That's my energy flowing through it. I can take every stressor and every bad feeling and I can put it into this whip all the way through. He swings his arm, lifting it above his head and fluidly waving it toward the fork in the river. And I can... It breaks the sound barrier, he says, but it's more than that. It breaks... I don't know how to say this, but it breaks... realities. is produced by me, Phil Corbett. This episode was scored by Emily Pratt of the band Howl's Road, and this song is by friend of the show, Eclept Insan. I will link Emily's full soundtrack, which is a great listen, along with photos of the whip that Nando made and a bunch more at thewind.org. Thank you to Emily Pratt, Mike Corbett, and Anjanette Damon for advice and support on this piece. If you like the show, make sure to subscribe or follow on your podcast app, and you can find The Wind on YouTube, Instagram, and at thewind.org. On the website, you'll also find a page to donate. Stories like this one take a lot of time and work and your support is greatly appreciated. Thank you for being here, and keep listening. Listening.